What a good time for our market update. As always, um, we do it with Henry Jennings from the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Over to you, Stephen Pritchard. Henry? Stephen, how are you? Good. We're still here, aren't we? <laughs> we are still yes, here, exactly, yes. yes. So so three directors of AMP have resigned? Um, yes. AMP has now gone... It's at DEFCON, um, where it's up three notches now. It's gone from fiasco to shamozzle, and now I think we're in debacle territory. So, um, yes, AMP has got their AGM today, which um, is interesting. There's lots of mayor culpers and lots of, um, lots of sort of hair shirt wearing from the, uh, the chairman, uh, Mike Wilkins, who has stepped into the breach following uh, the CEO leaving. So, yeah, three directors have gone, or at least uh, one's going at the end of the year, so uh, two have already gone. So, yeah, it's not, not a happy thing. And, and I guess today also we had a trading update from the stock. Um, and again, that wasn't particularly uh, impressive. Um, the stock's only down a little bit today. It's only down three cents. So it may be that um, the market's assuming the worst has passed. But, you know, people keep saying, oh, should I buy AMP? Should I buy AMP? It might be might recovery. Mm. Well, the problem is it's going to take a long time to turn this particular titanical ship around. And um, it will um, take a huge amount of culture change. And to be honest, the problem they have is that the, the business model um, could very well be busted with this financial planning model they have of selling their in-house products, etc., etc. Yeah. So um, it, it's not just a question of um, you know a good business gone bad. This is a mediocre business gone worse. Yes. Um, so, so it was never great to begin with. So is the AGM on actually now? It is. I've been watching it on Sky Business this morning. It's it's been riveting seeing uh, um, some of the shareholders get up and uh, and question the board. What's left of the board? Because there's not much left of the board now. So, uh, so did uh, the two, you know, there's empty chairs everywhere. Did the two that resigned even bother showing up, or are they no, hiding somewhere? No, no, they hid. So they've um, hidden. So that's pretty yep. full form, isn't it? Well, they've resigned, so they're not up for re-election. So I guess yes, well, we knew they weren't going to get re-elected. So, <laughs> so, so they could have uh, resigned. After the meeting, they they could have done, but and bothered um, to show up. Are they going to hand their directors' fees back? Oh, really, Stephen? Come on! Yeah. Has any of the um, has any of the MPs busted in the dual citizenship saga handed their um, parliamentary um, salaries back after they weren't deemed to be eligible to be there in the first place? Well, that's interesting. They shouldn't have. The government should be pursuing that and getting that repay. They, they, if well, was, they if, should. If but, it was that know, Centrelink pensioner and it was twenty dollars, they'd want it repaid. Well, if it was Centrelink, they'd be having robo-cops on them as well. Yes. So yeah. anyhow, down to the other problem in the financial service sector, the CBA, sure, CBA shares fell yesterday on a, on a profit downgrade. There was lots of red blotches on the market screen for AMP, uh, for CBA. Uh, yeah, CBA had a, um, a March quarter update, and not good. It's unusual that we see not good from CBA in terms of their profit numbers. Um, but certainly their loan arrears seem to be rising. Uh, their expenses were rising because of increased compliance costs and also their net interest margins, which is the, you know, the profit mm-hmm. they make on their loans, uh, fell seven basis points as well. So pretty much not good news for CBA and the market really has taken a, a bit of a dislike to it. In fact, it's kind of polarised the, um, the banking sector, which had been enjoying a little bit of a rally after it got itself off the front page um, after the Royal Commission basically um, eviscerated AMP and sort of um, moved on from the banks. So um, we've seen uh, ANZ and Westpac emerge from the, the big four as the standout uh, quality uh, operator. 
operations, with NAB's disappointing as well. They're going through quite a significant restructure and transformation, which is weighing on them. And, of course, CBA reported yesterday, not good. The, the one bank, that, if we call it a big bank, that has stood out as an absolute beacon of shining light, not so much corporate culture necessarily, because they've had their problems as well, is Macquarie Bank, which shot the lights out with a record profit, massive dividend. They are now $114, um, close to an all-time high. I think they crept above that level briefly. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that has been an absolute quality um, result, quality operation. And although they kind of sometimes get lumped in with the other four, at least uh, by the Treasurer in terms of that bank levy, shot the lights out. So um, so they continue to go higher. They've got growth and yield, which the banks themselves have got yield, but very little growth. Mm. And mm. down at Green Cross, they've also announced a, a, a profit downgrade. Green Angry, I think it should be called, rather than Green mm-hmm. Cross. We've gone we've gone above Cross, and now we're just angry. Yeah, Green Cross uh, had a profit downgrade yesterday. Now, we all know that retail is a tough business. Yes, you know, tough. It's not, not an easy game to play, but, you know, Green Cross always held themselves out as kind of Amazon-proof, online-proof, because they had uh, vets embedded in the stores, mm-hmm. and they had also 190 uh, veterinary uh, clinics as well in the group, so, you know, they were supposed to be um, immune to any retail downturn. Unfortunately, what seems to have happened is the retail side's going okay, and people are still buying dog foods and new lead, new leads for their, their, yep. um, their doggies, and but they don't seem cellulose. to be going to the vet so often. Oh. And um, it's actually the vet business which is struggling, and they're having a, a big review looking at cost-cutting, um, the usual things that, you know, platitudes that uh, companies uh, trot out when the uh, proverbial hits the proverbial. Um, and the stock has dropped from uh, $5.40 to th- just below 4 bucks at the moment, which, given it wasn't that long ago, the stock knocked back, um, I think it was a $7.50 yeah, yeah. takeover bid. So that's that was... Well done. Yeah. So they've covered themselves in um, in that doggy do um, after uh, rejecting that one. So yeah, not not particularly good news. Well, of course, you know, when I go to the vet and you get the vet bill, I, I kind of think how people on fixed income can have a, afford to keep a cat or a dog these days. The vet, the vet bills are huge. The vet bills are huge. I paid um, my my little doggy, or yeah. actually not so little. Um, I had his ACL done before Christmas, um, and that was four and a half thousand dollars. Now, thankfully, because he's eleven, yes. um, he was um, insured under pet insurance, and we got around eighty percent of that back. But had he not been insured, there's no way in hell that I would have paid four and a half grand so that he could run around the dog park again, given that he's eleven years old. Yeah, it's a lot of money, isn't it? It's a lot. Of it is money. a lot of money. It is a lot of money. So um, yeah, I mean, having a having a doggy is um, is not always a particularly good uh, financial decision, but it is certainly a good emotional decision. I think. Yes. Yeah, Godfrey's yeah. basically stuffed it up, yep. um, right royally. I mean, it's it's a struggling business as it is. Um, it's a retailer that basically just flogs uh, vacuum cleaners and steam cleaners and those sorts of things. Heavily um, advertised on TV uh, with discounting, um, which has been their sort of mo forever. Um, but they decided to, to change their MO, and instead of going for discounting to focus on brands and brand value, um, dull, that was not a good idea. The results have been pretty disappointing. Now, bear in mind that Godfrey's is under takeover bid at the moment um, by a 99-year-old who um, actually founded 
with Godfrey's. So um, that will be interesting. They, the board has basically said after this downgrade, hey, you know what? Take the money. Um, we, we, we've, we've stuffed it up. We've got no answers. So, um, you know, you should accept the bid from this uh, private equity uh, group fronted by um, the 99-year-old uh, former uh, founder of Godfrey's. So, um, in 1928. In 1928. Because so, if this offer contains the standard out clauses, he'll be able to get out of this now. Um, he would. I, I get the sense that he won't. He, well, he won't, no. I mean, he's got a massive holding in the yeah. thing. He's already got around 29%. So I get the feeling that he's going to plough on regardless. And, you know, he sees this as an opportunity. The, the company was always struggling. Um, clearly, they stuffed up their marketing strategy. That's a pretty easy fix. Um, you know, that that's not a, a, a massive, that's not a, a, an inherent problem with the business. That's a marketing problem. Um so, um, yeah, it's, well, it remains to be seen whether the, um, what the bid goes ahead. But at the moment, the market took the um, profit downgrade in its stride, didn't really move the share price, which is current, currently 30 cents. The takeover bid is 32 cents. So, anyway. And uh, CSR has announced a 6% increase in profit. Yeah, but the market doesn't like it. market uh-huh. doesn't like CSR at the moment. The market's a bit down on uh, on the, the borrows and the CSRs at the moment, whether that's a, um, a housing issue, um, but certainly there's been a number of downgrades after the results. They were a little bit below forecast, I suspect. Um, the stock's dropped from uh, 5.70 back down to 5.26 in the last couple of days. So jury well and truly out on that one and not looking um, particularly, uh, particularly good. And... One of my favourite stocks made a surprise move this week. I nearly fell off Which one? Chair when I read it. Reese. Reese. Yes. Now, here's an interesting fact for you, Stephen. Yes. There's only three stocks in the market that have never, ever gone to shareholders and asked for additional capital. And Reese was one of those. Yes. Until this week. Yeah. Uh, Nick Scarley is the other one. Yeah. They have intimated that maybe they would do that um, to uh, to help um, liquidity issues um, and expand uh, overseas. And the other one is Sol Patterson's. Oh, okay. So those are the only three. Now, Reese has uh, up to the ante. This is a uh, it's a plumbing group. They've bought a big plumbing business in the U.S. Big, big, big time. Um, they've raised a lot of money. They were swamped uh, with the uh, with applications from uh, institutions. <laughs> To, uh, to buy the stock. I'm sorry, that wasn't a deliberate pun. Um, but um, they bought a business called Morsco in the US, and they were raising $560 million. Um, but it actually turned out they raised, um, I think it was $600 million. Um, so that was pretty good. They, um, uh, the placement was done at $10.20 uh, was the clearing price. So um, that was a strong demand. So the market celebrated with that one and pushed them up big time yesterday. They've fallen a bit today, but certainly it's a big, I guess, big vote of confidence in the uh, in the stock um, in terms of their overseas expansion. They haven't really put a foot wrong with stock. It's been it's been a great success story. Just not not the most liquid of stocks, though. No, the share for the size of the company, there's only about twelve hundred shareholders. Yeah, it, it's it's not big. There's one uh, there's one family that uh, owns uh, a large percentage of the business. Um, the uh, the Wilson family they've got a big holding in the thing. So I just yeah, hope it's look, not in a masters. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no. Um, so, well, they've, they've, they've kind of got experience, I think, and uh, um, this shouldn't be uh, this shouldn't be a, a Masters or a Bunnings UK experience or a or a Rio Riversdale. But um, you, know, you never know. Certainly, at the moment, the market seems pretty happy with it. And the family and the directors have got a lot of their own money in there, which is always they a have. plus. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, we'll just have a quick talk about HealthScape. Um, the Canadian Property Trust has acquired 10% of the HealthScope shares now. They have. I mean, HealthScope is looking pretty interesting, I have to say. Um, they're about to commission their, uh, well, it's in the process at the moment of being commissioned, their new super-duper brand-new hospital in French's Forest up on the northern beaches. Massive things cause massive amounts of traffic disruption and a lot of probably uh, ill will in the community because of the disruptions. Um, but um, they've had a bid at um, $2.36 from a private equity mob, and now this Canadian um, property manager's taken a 10% stake via a derivative kind of swap with Deutsche Bank. They actually haven't bought any shares. Um, so it looks like, that. I guess, the plan is, and this is probably what will emerge, I don't know who's going to win and who's going to lose, but the, I would imagine that there is a um, separate the property from running the hospitals kind of thing to be done. Um, and that will free up a lot of capital, much like Bunnings do with their um, property trust. Um, and the, you know, they, they run the business and somebody else owns the, the property and they pay rent to the, uh, the property trust. So I'd imagine that's the play here, is that this Canadian property group wants to, to do the, the property side of things, wants to own the underlying asset and uh, leave the actual running of the business to somebody else. So I'd imagine the guys at Ben Gray, which is the private equity mob that's, uh, that's, that's uh, involved in this, will be talking frantically to the Canadians and lots of Skype calls and conference calls about how they can structure this deal so that they get shareholder approval, they get government approval, and uh, they can separate one from t'other and, uh, and run them as two separate businesses. Don't yeah. bother coming this one. Yes, I think this will be still talked about in another month or two or three. Oh, yes. And for the latest market updates, we can just get them off Marcus today. Go to today. You can sign up for a, um, a free trial for a couple of weeks and see if you like what we say. And uh, we've been doing pretty well recently, picked a few winners, so that's always good. So, yeah, go to the website, sign up, and, uh, and away you go. And there's a lot of educational stuff there too, isn't there, Henry? There's an awful lot of educational stuff, and we've been running education courses uh, throughout Australia quite successfully in the last uh, couple of months, so um, so they've been proving very popular. Okay, talk to you next week, Henry. Thanks, Stephen. Cheers. Bye. Uh, Commonwealth Seniors Health Cards, Stephen Pritchard, and of course, who better to talk to about it than Mandy Barton from Centrelink? Yes, Mandy. So we might just talk about, um, there's apparently two different types of cards, which, which I never kind of knew about, and if there's anything in the budget, if we've got time. So there's the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card and the Low Income Health Card, and they've got different uh, benefits and different qualifying criteria. Yes, yeah, the Commonwealth, we'll start with the Commonwealth yep. Seniors Health Card. Um, so it's basically a, a concession card available to people for potential cheaper health care. Um, 
Um, the primary benefit of the card is the reduced price medications. So if customers are taking medications that are on the pharmaceutical benefit scheme, um, accessing those medications for about $6.40 per prescription. Um, to be eligible for the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, of course, the person must be over age pension age. So it is a card primarily for our seniors um, and self-funded retirees because you are not able to be receiving an income support payment from Centrelink uh, to qualify for this health card. Ah, so if, you, if you're getting the, you have to be pensionable age but not in receipt of the pension. Exactly, because if you, would, if you were in receipt of a pension, you would then have the pensioner concession card instead. Okay. So, so this is the one where you need less than 50000 and something in income? Yeah, so the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, it is a means-tested entitlement, but based on an income test only. So there is no asset test. So the income test cutoffs currently for the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card for a single person, you're pretty close to the mark, Stephen, it's $53,799 per annum. Um, for couples, it's 86076 uh, And if you're an illness-separated couple, uh, it's 107598 combined. So, yeah, it, it's what we call adjusted taxable income as well. Yep, and that's, so, that's not the same as your taxable income. Not exactly the same, no. So for the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, it is a requirement that we hold the person's tax file number. Yes. Because it is a matching process yep. with between uh, Centrelink and the ATO to check on the person's tax when they lodge their tax returns each year. Um, but adjusted taxable income is made up of the taxable income itself, but then there are some extra things we can potentially add on. Uh, and the most common thing we see added on is um, deeming of their account-based pensions. So... Um, whilst the account-based pension, of course, is a non-taxable income source, Centrelink will look at the balance of that account-based pension and apply the deeming rules to that, adding it on to taxable income. Um, and then a couple of other ones we see are uh, net rental property losses or net investment losses. So yes. if within the customer's taxable income they've actually had a loss, which is offset part of their taxable income, we will add that back in. Okay. And some of the account-based pensions, they're grandfather. That, aren't they? Yes, and yes, with everything, this is where a little bit of complication yes, comes yes. in. So, you know, depending upon when a person may have initially received their Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, okay. they may be getting that card with the grandfathering rules applying to their account-based pension. So that um, January 2015 date is the, the date that determines whether their income stream would be grandfathered or not. Yes, and then there's also... There's also um, it's not straightforward if you... I was actually looking at this not so long ago. So it's not straightforward if you exceed the income threshold either. So... If if you exceed the income threshold, it's done on it. I mean, you're meant to notify any change of circumstance. So if you're aware your income goes above the threshold, you should be notifying of that. But it is a data matching process. So if, if upon a data match, um, it's determined that the, the taxable income has exceeded the threshold, the person can potentially lose entitlement to their Commonwealth Seniors Health Card. And, and there are a number of reasons why a person might exceed that threshold. Um, something like a capital gain, for example, mm -hmm. will, you know, will reflect in a tax taxable income. Um, so 
potentially there can be provisions where those sorts of things, um, a person is able to have a Commonwealth Seniors Health Card on an estimate because there may have been a, a one-off um, occurrence that you know may not occur again, obviously. Um, so, yeah, obviously, you know, if someone's in this sort of situation, it's best to sort of come to the source and find out, this is my situation, am I eligible for the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card? Yeah, so if you're already in receipt of it and then you get some one-off capital gains, it may be that you don't lose it. Well, it may or it may not, yeah, Stephen, let's say. <laughs> yeah, as, as I said, it wasn't straightforward. So we might, yes. we'll come back in a minute and talk about the low-income health card. Mm-hmm. Finding out about low-income cards and things like that, Stephen Pritchard with Mandy Barton from Centrelink. So I assume with the low-income card you have to actually be receiving um, the some kind of Centrelink benefit. No, actually not. No, if you're receiving, if you are receiving an allowance payment from Centrelink, such as a New Start allowance or a Youth allowance, then yes, you will receive a healthcare card. But it is possible for anyone to lodge an application solely for a low income health card. Um, again, we've got no asset test on this card, but an income test does apply, and of course, it's a different income test to that of the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card. How did I guess that? Mm, yeah, any age, no age limit on the. Well, I should say no um, upper age limit on this card. So anyone over the age of 16 can apply for a low-income health card. So lots of people in the community who might be low-income workers may actually be eligible for this card whilst they're working, potentially, you know, casually, part-time, etc. Okay, and so what are the benefits of the low-income health card? Low-income health card really has the same type of health care benefits that are associated with the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, so those reduced-price medications. And all health cards have the possibility of being bulk-billed when they visit their doctor or their specialist. So that is, of course, at the discretion of the doctors. The low-income health card um, does tend to be bulk-billed a little bit more often than the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, um, just from personal you know, feedback from customers I talk to on a regular basis. Okay, so can you get both of these cards? You can, absolutely, and quite a lot of our self-funded retirees, assuming their income meets both tests, of course, will hold both the cards so that they're getting their reduced price medications with both the cards, but more likelihood of that bulk billing with the um, low-income health card. And health cards also, dependent upon where the person's living, can carry additional um, discounts. So depending on the state and the, and the area, um, electricity bills and things like that can sometimes people be offered a little bit of a discount with that low income health card. And so what's the means testing on the low income health card? So it is quite a bit stricter than the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card. So for a... Well, I should explain. The income test for the low-income health card is based on income received in the eight weeks prior to claim. So we look at this set period to determine if the person is eligible for a card. And if they meet those means tests, the card is granted for the upcoming 12 months. Now, the current income test for a single person, that income in the eight weeks prior to claim must average below $552 per week. And for couples combined, it must average below $954 per week. So, you know, how we assess the income depends on what type of income it is. So our standard Centrelink rules apply with deeming. If the customer has an annual source of income, like a rental property, um, self-employment, we will generally use the tax return. Um, but people working, obviously, the wages are assessed based on each, wor- each uh, week on the gross wage. So- if someone left their job for eight weeks, they could go and get the, this this card. 
Right. Potentially, potentially. Um, there is a, in addition to that ordinary um, eight-week assessment of income, lump sum payments have a different assessment. So very common question we get, Stephen, is when people are made redundant. Um, if I'm no longer working, can I qualify for a low-income health card? Things like redundancy payments and compensation payments, they are assessed as income only for the purposes of the low-income health card as income for 12 months from date of receipt. Okay. So we apportion it over the future 12 months. Okay, well, I think we've just about... Yeah, we're getting close to the end of the program, but it's always good, Mandy, to have you uh, bringing us all the good oil on Centrelink. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. 